Yep, it's snowing. This is way over our heads, Weather and Climate Podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, you're getting an encore, actually a trifecta coming up over the next few days. Three separate storm systems. You've got to be thrilled. I am excited. I always get excited about snow. I know it's been a tough winter and it's even been a tough winter for me. I just, I'm so torn. It's like, I don't know. It's like kind of like being tortured by ice cream or something. Like (laughs) I, I've really suffered (laughs) this winter. And yet whenever the snow falls, I get very excited. And it's been, you know, I think it's hard to deny some of the snows we've had have been really photogenic and really beautiful. And the way that they flock the trees, assuming you're up in time to see them uh, before the the snow falls off the trees. The one we had recently was just, I found it to be lovely on Sunday night and Monday morning. And so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. I think, you know, the prospect of more snow is both daunting and quite encouraging. Well, Kenny, it's funny you mentioned the aesthetics. I would agree. It's been a beautiful winter. There are so many times... I've uh, walked or driven down Minnehaha Parkway and marveled at the flocked trees, just the kind of the beauty of winter. So you know I've never been a huge fan. This might be the winter where I cross the boundary and become a a winter proponent. (laughs) Mm. Well, it's good to have you on board because uh, what we got, you know, five, six months of the year spent during this season. So, uh, you know, I'd rather have people happy. (laughs) Right, right. Well, let's talk about the winter so far before we get into what will transpire over the next few days. Now, we are currently approaching one of the top 10 winters in terms of snowfall for a good part of Minnesota, correct? Yeah, that is true. Uh, St. Cloud is actually already in its top 10, and it, you know, has records that go back into the 1800s. Twin Cities has records that go back into the 1800s, and we're not quite at the top 10, but we're getting close. We're in the top 15, and with snow on the way, uh, it's likely that we'll crack that top 10 in the in the next several days. Duluth isn't quite as high on the list because Duluth is snowy, but they're over they're over 100 inches this year. And if you instead of looking at where they are compared to all the other seasons that you know have already happened, if you look at where they are now compared to where all the other seasons that have happened were at this same time, Duluth is in top 10 territory. And, you know, because there's still potentially 30 days, or in some cases even more, potentially 30 days where you could get accumulating snow. You know, in most of the region, this isn't true for International Falls. It's basically not true uh, in the northwestern eight or so of Minnesota, but much of much of the rest of the area. Even some of our neighboring communities, you know, Sioux Falls, Fargo, they're ahead uh, in terms of snow for the winter. In fact, Bismarck, North Dakota is, you know, not a place that you think of as excessively snowy. And they have over 80 inches on the ground or 80 inches that have fallen. Sorry. And so uh, it's just been kind of snowy in the region. And even if you look down in Iowa and Wisconsin, where they haven't had as much snow, And usually in the winter, when you don't get much snow, you enter what's called a snow drought. But that implies that there's not much other precipitation, and that just hasn't been the case. We've been pretty wet in Iowa, northern Illinois, and the the parts of Wisconsin that haven't been that snowy. So uh, kind of a bonanza of precipitation so far going back to November. 
So, Kenny, over the next several days, starting today and continuing through Sunday, parts of Minnesota will see 5 inches, possibly as much as 10 inches of snow, and that adds to an already uh, pretty decent accumulated snowfall for this winter season. I guess the question is twofold here. First of all, how does that impact our drought situation, and what does it mean for the flood potential in spring? Right. You looked at two different sides of the coin there. Yeah, so you're right. Um, we kind of have three different weather systems. One is today, Wednesday, uh, March 8th. That's kind of the weakest of the three. It's mostly light snow, mostly affecting the western two-thirds or so of Minnesota. And some of those areas could get a, a couple, maybe a few inches of snow accumulation. Maybe some areas in the northwest and west get, you know, isolated areas get four inches total from this. Uh, it's already snowing in those areas as we record. So um, not exactly breaking news there. The bigger system, the one that's kind of been watched for a while, um, is is coming on Thursday, Thursday night, and into early Friday. That one is actually targeting areas outside of you know most of your listeners. So this would be, you know, uh, southwestern Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, and maybe far southeastern Minnesota. And these are the areas that are most likely to see over six inches of snow, but Southern and central Minnesota will get in on something called the inverted trough, which is the, this feature that kind of elongates the northwest side of some low pressure systems. And uh, it actually keeps the convergence for precipitation going in those areas. And that should be good, good enough to give us a couple, a few, maybe several inches of snow. So kind of in that two to five inch range. And then we take a break, and then later in the weekend, you get another system. That's more of like a hybrid between a typical Alberta clipper coming out of the northwest and something called a Wyoming low, which usually moves from west to east. And as a hybrid, it's going to have a little bit more moisture than a typical Alberta clipper and a little less than a typical west to east system. It could be good for kind of similar levels of snowfall in Minnesota, kind of a two to five inch range with maybe some higher amounts. When it's all said and done, we get through the weekend. And like you said, a lot of places, almost everywhere, will have received, you know, four, five, six inches of snow. And some areas may be up around 10 or maybe even a little bit higher than that. It kind of depends on how hard you get hit by, by especially those two main systems, um, Thursday and then again, Saturday, Sunday. So this is going to add about an, a half an inch, maybe three quarters of an inch and in isolated spots about an inch of precipitation. And most of that's just going to go right into the existing snowpack um, because most of it's going to fall as snow. So we're going to essentially be adding water to the landscape. Because it doesn't directly affect the soil moisture yet because of, you know, it's sitting on the snowpack, it's, it's hard to know what its true fate is. I mean, we know that there's not a lot of soil frost right now. And that's actually a really important ingredient for driving uh, large runoff events that can lead to major, major floods. But of course, another important ingredient is just having, having a lot of moisture or water sitting there on the ground. The National Weather Service, uh, their River Forecast Center and their hydrologists, uh, they are issuing periodic flood forecasts. Uh, and the next one is actually due out tomorrow on Thursday. The most recent one, however, kind of elevated the flood risk for, you know, some most rivers in Minnesota. Not, not yet looking major, 
I suppose that that could change. But as of the last flood outlook, um, it was more like we went from having kind of an average spring flood risk to having an above average spring flood risk. And when they did some of the projections for, you know, different points along the Mississippi that have consistent gauging now that where you can measure the flow of the river and also the height of the river, they think that there's a chance of getting into the, you know, kind of what you might think of as a moderate category of flooding. And that would, in most cases, not be the sorts of things that make national news with, you know, water pouring into towns along the river and, and, and you know, inundating buildings or anything. But, you know, for small roads or for paths that maybe are near some of these rivers, including the Mississippi, um, you, you'd maybe have those submerged. We see this near downtown St. Paul every, every, you know, five years or so where some of the walkways have to be closed because the river climbs up over them. Seems also quite likely that there will be significant flooding in the Stillwater area on the St. Croix because there's a huge flush of snow and water coming off of uh, off of the areas of Wisconsin and Minnesota that that feed into the St. Croix River. So that's one area where maybe more extensive flooding um, seems possible. But again, this will all be updated tomorrow. But I would say the flood risk has definitely risen. We don't have, you know, again the soil frost which in, you know, think of your big blockbuster years like 1965, or 2011, or uh, sorry, 1965, 2001, uh, and, to, and to an extent 2011, those tended to have a lot of soil frost, and that prevents the water from going into the ground as the snow melts. This year, we don't have much frost, so hopefully, and we have some capacity to store more water in the soil, so hopefully as the snow is melting, some of it goes into the ground before it goes into the river, but, you know, knowing exactly what the fate of all that water is right now is kind of beyond my skill set, and that's why we rely on the forecast models and the, the expertise from the hydrologists. So that's the flood question that you asked, and then for drought, you know, it's worth pointing out that we are actually still in a long-term precipitation deficit going back to June of 2022. But uh, the last several months have been wet enough that, you know, people who are in, say, the uh, Twin Cities area and southeastern and eastern Minnesota, you either have no drought category at all, not even abnormally dry, which isn't even a drought. It's just kind of a precursor to drought or you're in that lowest category. So Eastern Minnesota is essentially drought-free. That includes the Twin Cities. Now, when you get into the Western parts of the state, we still have what's called moderate drought. That's the lowest, uh, that's sort of entry-level drought uh, where you're actually in a drought category. So all of this precipitation has helped. It's helped our conception of what's possible and what's likely to kind of replenish the things that respond uh, hydrologically like soil moisture, and rivers and lakes. But, you know, because of that long-term precipitation deficit, we're, we're not really out of the woods yet, Jim. You know, we're just one, <laughs> you know, really dry June and July again, away from kind of sliding back into it. And one of my colleagues often says that, you know, the thing about drought is you're only 30 days away from it at any given time. So you don't want to get too comfortable just yet. But currently, you know, the good news is there is no real drought in eastern Minnesota. And it's been kicked back, knocked back two categories or more 
in southwestern and western Minnesota. So uh, generally, the snow and all the winter precipitation has improved drought prospects. But again, we haven't even gotten to that warm season, and we don't know what's going to happen when we do. Well, speaking of snowy winter seasons, you have a newsletter that you send out periodically. And uh, in the one you sent out this morning, you mention the winters of the early to mid-1980s. And there were some snowy winters. I remember 81, 82, 82, 83, I think 84 into 85 was pretty snowy. Um, yeah, 83, 84 was our champion. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I completely yep. missed that one. So anyway, there was a lot of snow that fell in that period from the early to mid-1980s, and that was not usual. I mean, we can sit back, those of us of a certain age, and say, boy, when I was you know younger, it was so snowy, but you know, that period of time was uh, unusually snowy throughout uh, the time that records have been kept here in Minnesota. So the question is this, we look back at the 1980s and um, those snowy winters were then followed by a rather stormy spring and summer. I think back to 1965, we mentioned the snowfall in 65 just a few minutes ago. It was a snowy winter, we had extensive flooding, and then we had the May 6th, 1965 tornadoes. Is there any correlation between a winter with heavy snowfall being followed by an unusually active severe weather season? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, and I'm glad you used the word correlation. There does appear to be some. The part where we kind of run out of explanations would be for causation. Couldn't exactly tell you why. And it's certainly not every year. In other words, we've had, you know, we've had snowy years that have occurred in the absence of any, you know, real severe weather activity either before or after. And also the opposite is true, where we've had really active years for severe weather where there hadn't been much, if any, snowfall prior or after those severe weather seasons. But there is a relationship that you point out. You know, the winters really became more severe in the late 70s and then started dropping a lot of snow and becoming quite cold um, and kind of reached their peak. It was really the glory years for winter in that early mid 1980s period where we had, I mean, I don't think people appreciate how much that affected our perception of what's normal. And it really wasn't normal at all. But if you grew up or were, you know, paying a lot of attention in the 1980s, you might think that that's what snow is supposed to be like, where we had multiple, uh, you know, 70, 75 inch plus uh, winters in the Twin Cities and and 100 inches or more in other parts of Minnesota, and uh, some of the biggest snowstorms on record too. And then, as you point out, then we also at the time, you know, think of some of the other storms that we, you and I have talked about. The uh, tornado that went from Edina through Lake Harriet and into Roseville in 1981, that was right before a very severe winter. Um, and there was a lot, there was actually a lot of severe weather that summer. There was a ton in the summer of 1979 and 1983, we had two of the greatest severe thunderstorm destructive wind events in Minnesota history, um, in July of 1983. And that was after a snowy season and before 
a snowy season. In 1984, we had another killer tornado in the Twin Cities metro area, a huge outbreak of tornadoes in uh, June of that year that affected our neighbors in Wisconsin, including a kind of famous one, F5 tornado in Barneveld, Wisconsin. So really big. So there is some kind of connection. I don't know exactly what it is. You know, even the year that we had, uh, 91, 92, we had, you know, the Halloween and early November blizzard that is legendary in Minnesota. And that was actually followed by a lesser known, but very significant Black Friday winter storm that dropped, you know, 15 to 18 inches of snow across the Twin Cities metro. And that winter is one of our top snow producing winters. And then in 1992, although the season itself wasn't that active, that was when we had Minnesota's last, meaning most recent, F5 rated tornado. So there is a connection. It's hard to know exactly why, but there's at least a correlation. Even the, you know, 96, 97 winter, which led to the extraordinary flooding on the Red River and parts of eastern North Dakota had over 100 inches of snow, which is almost unheard of. And then the 1997 severe weather season got off to a late start, but was also incredibly active and destructive. And so, yeah, there's something to it. We can't say exactly what, but there's definitely a connection there. So good observation. Well, if you are listening to this podcast, we assume that you are a weather aficionado. I didn't want to use the term nerd. So aficionado to me has a much better connotation. You might be asking yourself, is there anything that I can do as a citizen, a regular citizen, that would actually help with scientific atmospheric research? And the answer is yes, for a minimal investment. And this is the month where uh, a recruitment effort is underway for folks to use backyard rain gauges to measure precipitation. The program is called Coco Raz. And, and Kenny, what's that all about? Yeah, so uh, honestly, it's a, it's a national precipitation monitoring network, but then it's kind of administered individually through each state. Now, Minnesota already had this incredible, extensive, mostly volunteer-driven precipitation network. We call it MinGage, but that goes back to the 1970s. So the thing is, is Minnesota has the best precipitation observing program in the country and one probably top-notch globally. And it's really done by the goodwill of volunteer observers who take measurements using a simple four inch diameter plastic rain gauge with an inner cylinder. And it has a capacity of uh, 10 inches total with a one inch overflow. So it's an 11 inch capacity, four inch wide cylinder. You mount it in some part of your backyard. If you sign up at this um, with this Coco Raz network, you go to C-O-C-O-R-A-H-S. That's C-O-C-O rahs.org they give you instructions if you look kind of on the right side of the screen on how to become how to join how to become a member you fill out a real simple form um, and then you just do online data entry and this is information that goes to the national weather service and it comes to our office here uh, state climatology office and then we can use that especially the good the really good observers we use them for some of the products that we put out, like snowfall and precipitation maps and snow depth maps. And, uh, you know, it can be useful for trying to summarize an event after it's happened or make sense of uh, flash flooding 
things like that. Um, so more volunteers are always needed and you you be part of something pretty great. And our state climatologist has been extremely enthusiastic about recruiting people for the past several years. And, and there's a, in March, there's kind of a competition called the, the Coco Raz Cup. And Minnesota has been obliterating the competition for three straight years. And it looks like, you know, unless something strange happens, probably a fourth now. So become part of something great. Uh, C-O-C-O-R-A-H-S dot O-R-G. And uh, you can find out more. And, uh, and it costs about 35 bucks to get a rain gauge and they show you how to do it. And there's tutorials on how to, how to measure things like rain and snow and how to actually fill out the forms. It's pretty simple. And there's obviously, there's no membership fee or anything like that. It's just, you're, you're putting data into something called a citizen science platform where, you know, you do more with a lot of people than you could ever do with a small number of them. So yeah, hopefully people are interested and can join. Well, Kenny, we'll put a link to the Coco Raz site on the wayoverourheads.com site. So, Kenny, we've got three storms, a uh, snow trifecta coming up over the next five days, uh, five to ten inches, maybe a little more in certain areas. Uh, might be slippery. I mean, you got to watch that. We talked a little bit about uh, how, you know, it, well, we did, actually, we didn't talk about this. This is in your email. Uh, you mentioned that. Not quite sure what the water content of the snow will be. And we've seen a lot of days now where we've had melting during the day, a refreeze at night, which makes for kind of treacherous walking and driving. So uh, we'll want to continue to uh, be aware of the road conditions in the days going forward. So we'll we'll watch and we will enjoy probably another winter wonderland coming our way mm-hmm. in terms of... Uh, Looking at all of the uh, the snow on the trees, a flocked a flocked scenario is is in our forecast here. Oh, yeah, it could be quite lovely, and yeah, it's it's not we're we're not getting out of this icy nightmare anytime soon. That that is for sure. So sidewalks will remain treacherous. Beware those, you know, puddles that are masked by a thin veneer of ice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> don't step too confidently into those. The penguin walk, yeah. the famous yeah, Minnesota walk. Yeah, but you can't even walk on those puddles. Well, that's you know, true. Because yes, then you yes. get your foot soaked. So <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I mean, so the winter weather that's coming for most of us, it's not going to be an extraordinary winter storm. There are going to be some flashes of heavy snow in some parts of the region. But, you know, when you add it all up, you're right, five to ten inches you know, I'd say five, six, seven for most people. And then there are going to be these areas that get more, maybe, you know, eight, nine, 10, and possibly even more than that. So uh, snowy period, the snowy landscape will get uh, freshening up over the next several days, three storms in five days. And that'll, uh, that'll definitely be adding to what's out there. And uh, so people can get their information from the National Weather Service and find more information about the floods beginning on Thursday, March 9th. Um, that'll be released sometime also from the Twin Cities and probably Duluth offices of the National Weather Service. Well, stay safe and enjoy. And uh, remember, it is meteorological spring right now, as of March 1st. So psychologically, we're in spring. And then, of course, astronomical spring is coming our way in about a couple of weeks. So uh, we've got things to look forward to, too. That's right. Hang in there, everyone. (laughs) This is Way Over Our Heads, a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, 
Great chatting with you. We'll uh, connect with you again soon. Very good. Thanks a lot, Jim.